One Penn State player has decided that he is moving on to a professional career, and another Penn State player has been added thanks to the transfer portal. I'm Kevin McGuire. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. Let's get it started. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into a brand new edition of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. You're running out of shopping days if you're looking for some last-minute Christmas gifts for your favorite Penn State podcast host. I'm just saying, I've got an Amazon wish list. If you need the link, I will gladly send it to you. But all kidding aside, we have uh, some more interesting topics to continue to get into in today's episode. We're still continuing to turn the page as far as Penn State's uh, football season is concerned or football program is concerned because the 2020 season now is officially in the books with Penn State deciding not to play in a bowl game. We talked a little bit about that in yesterday's podcast, so if you missed it, go back and check it out. It's in the archives. It's in the library, wherever you get your podcast feed. And make sure you never miss a single episode. Make sure you are subscribed so you get every single episode delivered to you through your podcasting app of choice, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Hopefully, we are available on it. And if not, let us know. We'll try to get us on there as soon as possible. But you can subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Really helps us out as we continue to try and grow the show going into 20. 2021. In today's episode, in the first segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Shane Simmons making the decision that he is going to forego his final year of eligibility and pursue a career in business. And in our second segment, we're going to take a look at the newest addition to the Penn State program through the grad transfer portal. And in our third and final segment, it is Twitter Tuesday after all. So we will kind of discuss some of the topics that I've been seeing floating around on Twitter. We didn't actually get any questions this week, but that's okay because I always try to pick some of the topics that I see floating around on Twitter, some interesting conversation. I wanted to bring that into the fold in our third and final segment of today's episode. Of course, make sure you, in addition to subscribing to the podcast, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms by following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch using the username LockedOnNittany. Obviously, we don't have any live post-game reaction streams coming up anytime soon on Twitch because Penn State season is over, but stay tuned. We're still going to work in some things with the Twitch channel in addition to continuing to use our Instagram account, Facebook page, and of course, our Twitter account. So with all that out of the way, I want to touch on real quick. This is going to be kind of a quick, brief episode because we're just going to kind of breeze through some of these topics here. But Shane Simmons, defensive lineman, obviously made the announcement on Tuesday, or I'm sorry, on Monday, that he is officially going to forego his final year of eligibility and pursue a career in business. This is a former four-star recruit that was brought into Penn State, still one of the highest ranked uh, profile uh, defensive linemen to sign during James Franklin's time as uh, Penn State's head coach. Ultimately, Shane Simmons was a nice contributor, if not anything else, because he didn't necessarily become one of those star players on a defensive line that has had some, some big breakout stars. You know, it's been pretty tough, I think, as far as the defensive line is concerned, for too many players to break out because it is such a solid position. And Shane Simmons um, obviously didn't quite mature to or develop into the kind of player that I think a lot of people expected him to be as a four-star player, but still, he was a nice contributor. Obviously, he finished off his career on a high note with a big game against Michigan State on senior day, getting a start there as well. So that was a good way to end out his season. Obviously, uh, the pro prospects weren't necessarily panning out, but it looks as though... He has found his passion, and that's always cool to see. Uh, obviously, when 
a player's college career comes over or comes to an end, you kind of wonder what's next. And for Shane Simmons, it certainly looks as though he's going to go into business. And from all accounts, uh, he has the business mindset. So very curious to see what business futures he's going to have in mind. Uh, very curious to follow his career as much as we possibly can. And that is always a good thing. You know, obviously, uh, if you're a head coach of a football program, uh, one of your big selling points is being able to send players off to the NFL. But at the same time, it's very important to remember that a lot of these players that come into every college football program, not just Penn State, but even programs like Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State, not everybody's going to be turning pro at, at the NFL level. There's careers in other way, avenues that a lot of these players are going to be taking, and that is certainly seeming to be the path for Shane Simmons. I don't know if his business is going to be football-related or not, but regardless of the fact, I think it is very important to keep in mind that a lot of the, the recruiting process is convincing student or prospective student athletes and of course their families that not only you're going to come and be a contributor to a, a solid football program that has chances to compete for conference titles and maybe one day uh, compete for a spot in the college football playoff and a national championship, but you're also going to get that good quality education. And that is something that a lot of people tend to overlook, I think, when we're talking about college football, but it's very important to remember that uh, the large majority of players that are playing college football are going to go pro in something else. It kind of echoes back on one of those old NCAA ads uh, where you know these student athletes are talking about how they're going to be turning pro in something other than whatever sport they play. And of course, football is one of the main ones. Basketball, of course, is another uh, significant one. But uh, very cool to see uh, Shane Simmons seems to have found his passion, I think is what the term he used, or you know, I'm kind of uh, ad-libbing a little bit, but we're modifying exactly what he said, you know, paraphrasing. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing slightly, but it looks as though he found his passion in business. So uh, wish him all the best of luck in that effort. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a great career path, and I'm very curious to see uh, where that will lead him in the future. So nothing but respect for that decision, and of course, wishing him the best of luck moving forward. I also want to throw out there that Michael Parsons uh, tweeted on his account that he has officially graduated from Penn State. He shared a nice little photo of him, I guess, uh, you know, video conferencing or video calling uh, his mother, who obviously could not be there in person to witness the, the graduation uh, take place. But and that, that is very unfortunate as well, because that's a huge <laughs> lifestone mile, uh, uh, lifetime milestone, I should say, uh, for Michael Parsons. But yeah, he's graduating. And we already knew, obviously, he opted out of the, the previous college football season or the most recent college football season so he could focus on what's next for him and uh, what's next for him, including getting that degree. So that that's very cool to see as well. And obviously, James Franklin, uh, when Michael Parsons announced his decision to uh, sit out of or not not necessarily sit out, but opt out of the college football season and, and focus on his future James Franklin was very supportive of that. He threw out his own statement as well. And yeah, yeah it would have been nice to see Michael Parsons one more, <laughs> one more season in a Penn State uniform. But bottom line is, going back to the whole idea of that whole success with honor mantra that was very famous under Joe Paterno's era, uh, these players are getting their degrees. They're going on and having uh, professional careers. Uh, obviously, Michael Parsons is going to be turning pro in the NFL, but he's going to be doing so with a degree. So that's always pretty cool to see. And I think that that's a very good selling point as well for a head coach like James Franklin and their coaching staff as they continue to uh, work on the recruiting trail moving forward. 
Now, one thing we do know about James Franklin coming off of the most recent National Signing Day was he was very interested in pursuing some options off of the transfer portal, which haven't necessarily been a primary focus during James Franklin's career. But uh, this seems to be a cycle that's going to see more activity coming into Penn State through the transfer portal. And on Monday, they got one addition from the transfer portal. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But first, I want to make sure you guys are ready to go for the upcoming holiday at the end of the week. Maybe you're having a small family gathering. Hopefully, you're able to do so. And if you are, and if you're hosting, make sure that when that family comes over, that you have a fridge full of the beer that you need to chill with your family members this holiday season. And that, of course, is Coors Light. And Coors Light is the perfect beer that is made to chill because it is cold lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. And I'm telling you one more time, you do not want to bring company over and have an empty fridge. So make sure you're stocked up right now. Get out your phone and go to get.coorslight.com. Find out how you can get Coors Light delivered in the new package straight to your door with contactless delivery. And I'm telling you right now, make sure you do that now because there's still time to make sure that that delivery gets to you before that family comes over. So you've got the fridge, you're ready to offer some Coors Light and make sure it is cold because nobody wants to be serving warm room temperature beer to your company. That's a bad host move right there. Don't do it. So get that fridge stocked full Coors Light. Saves room for some of those appetizers that you're going to have this holiday season. And, of course, make sure you are ready to chill with your loved ones and your friends and your family in the safest way possible. And, of course, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And we know that Penn State's not going to a bowl game. That doesn't mean you have to sit on the sidelines this bowl season. Get your bets in with betonline.ag. Now, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, I threw out a bowl game pick that I really liked with Appalachian State. And if you listened to my pick yesterday, then you made a couple bucks yesterday, right? Now I'm going to try and do it again for you guys one more time. I'm just going to throw out a couple lines real quick. According to betonline.ag, you've got Nevada plus two and a half against Tulane in the Potato Bowl. I'm a big fan of seeing that Tulane angry wave on that blue Smurf turf in Boise, but I'm kind of liking Nevada plus two and a half. I'm going to take that and run with it. And also the BYU-UCF matchup in the Boca Raton Bowl. I thought I saw this over-under number at 71 previously. It's now 75, so if it moved or not, I, I don't recall, but it's 75 right now. I'm still kind of liking it. I think BYU and UCF can put up a lot of points. I think we see a track meet here, and I think 75 could go down here. It's a little dicey, I admit that, but it's bowl season. We're going to go with the over here. So I like Nevada plus 2.5, and, and I like the over in the Boca Raton Bowl between BYU and and UCF. And if you're taking a peek over to tomorrow's games, I'm keeping an eye on Memphis minus eight versus FAU in the Montgomery Bowl. Don't forget, you can also check out the NBA and NHL futures as those seasons are getting going. If you want to look at those NHL futures, you can get Philadelphia plus 300 or the Pittsburgh Penguins at plus 450 to win the East Division. So just keep an eye on that. Remember, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust here at the Locked On Podcast Network, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Betting on college football doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions and leave a rating and review not only for our podcast, but also Locked On Bets. Let us know what you think about the shows and help us grow these shows moving forward as we go into 2021. 
So last week we saw the early signing period for the class of 2021 and Penn State brought in a pretty decent class. Obviously, as we discussed on the podcast last week, it wasn't a very large class. It's going to float somewhere around the middle of the pack in the Big Ten as far as the the 24-7 composite rankings are concerned. But you got to keep in mind uh, the the quality that they're bringing in is probably more important than the quantity because it was always going to be a little bit of a smaller recruiting class based on the class that they brought in in 2020 and the fact that everybody's got an extra year of eligibility kind of makes things a little bit interesting as you try to manage your roster going forward but it was always supposed to be a relatively smaller recruiting class and then the focus of course is going to be on this class of 2021 but one thing that James Franklin head coach of Penn State said when discussing the class of 2021 and what they plan to do next to fill a couple of other areas of need is that Penn State was going to be pretty actively looking at options that could be in the transfer portal. And I think there was more focus on the the fact of the, the depth at the cornerback position, secondary options, I think was going to be the, the main issue or the main emphasis for Penn State in the transfer portal. But on Monday, Penn State did land a player out of the transfer portal, this time a running back. John Lovett from Baylor, a player who uh, was never really the go-to guy running the football, but it was a nice little complimentary piece. Uh, he announced that, well, he announced last week that he was entering the transfer portal and he was going to be exploring options as a graduate transfer. And then on Monday, he announced that that decision has been made and he's going to be going to Penn State. So that's a nice little pickup. I think uh, adding some running back depth, certainly after the season that we just saw, uh, you have some questions about what's going to happen with this position going into next year. Obviously, the loss of Journey Brown uh, to a career uh ending health concern uh, really put a dent in Penn State's depth at the running back position. Uh, Although I will say that the running back position, I still think is in pretty good shape. But you have questions about Noah Kane. Can he stay healthy? Uh, Obviously, you still have a couple young guys and you hope that they're going to all stick around and continue to emerge and grow as a part of this program. But now you're adding an option that has some experience at the Big 12 level uh, with a a solid program in Baylor. Obviously, they've been up and down (laughs) depending on the season. But I think this is a nice little addition uh, for Penn State. It certainly adds some instant depth. Uh, You're getting a player that can play at a power conference level, and that is a good comfort area to be in. Uh, I don't think you can pad your running back depth enough right now, given what we just witnessed this past season. And maybe that's one of the areas where it kind of popped up on Penn State and, you know, you had an option to explore running back addition uh, through the transfer portal and John Lovett uh, seemed to fit the bill there. So that that's a, that's a nice little pickup. I will say again, it's nothing that really puts Penn State over the top or anything. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go undefeated now, but it is nice to have uh, another player that you can rely on running the football should you need it uh, next fall. And like I said, he is a graduate transfer, so he will have immediate eligibility for Penn State next year. And I think uh, obviously uh, most transfers are going to have immediate eligibility, if I'm not mistaken. I forget if that's been officially made uh, a new rule change just yet. But uh, regardless, the, the transfer process is going to be changing. So players are going to be eligible much quicker than they typically have been. Uh, so, But a graduate transfer was always going to have immediate eligibility. So uh, John Lovett is coming from Baylor to Penn State. Pretty interesting to see. And of course, like I said, uh, James Franklin did mention that they were going to explore transfer portal options that maybe add a little bit more depth at the cornerback position. So we'll see what some of the options out there may be. So 
Yeah, on Monday, Penn State loses a player with uh, who's foregoing his extra year of eligibility in Shane Simmons, and then they pick up John Lovett, who's going to use his remaining eligibility with Penn State. So there you go. Uh, one player decides to leave. One player decides to come. I guess it all breaks even, right? <laughs> I, I don't know what that really means anything, but I do think that it, it's always good to add some good quality depth, and I think John Lovett is going to be able to do that. Again, not really a game-changing running back, but a nice complimentary piece, somebody you can rely on to move the football and take a couple snaps if you need. And hey, if you're going to do a running back by committee, I think he can fit into that as well. Uh, Again, I'm not an expert on Baylor football or anything like that, but I I have watched a little bit here and there. And I will say with full confidence that I think adding John Lovett certainly doesn't hurt your running back room moving forward. And I don't know if this means that they're going to break through any walls just yet, but if you're looking for a way to break through your wall, especially this holiday season, especially if you're worn down, not just from work or the fact that it's 2020, or maybe you've got uh, some holiday shopping hours that you're trying to log right now, the best way to make sure you're going to break through your wall is with Built Go. The energy gel from the makers of Built Bar, the protein bars that taste just like chocolate bars, Built Go is what helps me get through my work day, certainly after lunch. And there's a reason why my coworkers are always wondering how I have so much energy after lunch we're on our feet all day we're swinging hammers we're doing some construction and it is a grueling process some days and it gets a little tiring so Bilko helps me get through that final stretch of the day. I always usually take one uh, right around lunchtime. And so it really kicks in when I get back from my lunch break. I punch back in and I'm ready to go. Everybody else is kind of going through the motions. Not me. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm ready to go. I'm breaking through my wall. I have my peanut butter honey. That's my favorite flavor. But they also have chocolate coconut. They've got chocolate mint. And Bilko, it combines energy gel with collagen protein. What is collagen protein? Collagen protein produces promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So this stuff is literally going to make you look better while it's making you feel better as well. It's like consuming one of those energy drinks you get at the convenience store on your lunch break, but you're going to have that sugary crash feeling later on. Not with Built Go. You're going to keep going and going and going because of the ingredients that they have in its place. And they're in these one little one and a half ounce packages. You can throw them right in your lunchbox. You can throw them in a golf bag, a briefcase, whatever the case may be. And it's really going to help you get through those last few hours and really help you finish your day. And you're going to feel pretty good about it too. You may not need that extra coffee. You may not need that extra soda or that energy drink. Just have a Built Go. You'll be good to go. Visit BiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BiltGo.com. Let's go. Every Tuesday at Locked on NFL, Luke Braun and Ross Jackson break down the Monday night football action and top fantasy storylines around the NFL with the Tuesday Fantasy Forum. Luke and Ross are joined every Tuesday by a Locked on Fantasy expert to help you save your lineup with waiver wire pickups, must starts, and more. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on your favorite podcasting app and leave a rating and review as well. We're going to close out this edition of the podcast the way we do every Tuesday, and that is with our Twitter Tuesday segment. Now, unfortunately, I was not able to get any questions that I could uh, incorporate into today's edition of Twitter Tuesday, but that's okay because I still wanted to take some of the conversation I've been seeing pop up on Twitter from various sources, from various people, people interacting with me, people I just follow. Uh, There's been a lot of discussion on Twitter over the last few days about the college football playoff. Not surprisingly, because on Sunday, the college football playoff selection committee announced what they were going to do with the college football playoff with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Again, I don't think that there's any real problem with that, but the problem, I think, really stems to the other bowl matchups. 
Now, here in the Big Ten, we're very uh, concerned about our Big Ten brethren. And, of course, I feel like Indiana got disrespected by the selection committee. I, I say that without any hesitation. Indiana absolutely deserved an opportunity to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. So that has certainly been one of the things that a lot of people, certainly within the Big Ten circle, have been discussing. I know that a lot of been focus has been on whether or not Texas A&M should have been in the playoff. I don't think they should have been, but I think as far as Indiana is concerned, I think there were a lot of people that were disappointed that Indiana is not going to get a chance to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And there's been questions about how this was possible. Well, uh, real briefly, I believe a lot of the reason is because of the contracts that the college football playoff has lined up. Now, as we know, uh, the Rose Bowl has a contract with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. The Sugar Bowl has a contract with the SEC and the Big 12. The Orange Bowl has a contract with the ACC, Big Ten, and the SEC. This year just happened to be, you get your ACC team every year guaranteed, whoever it may end up being. This year it's North Carolina. And then it goes back and forth between the highest ranked available team from the Big Ten or the SEC after the playoff has been filled, after the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl have been filled. You know, those contractual obligations, and once they're filled, then the Orange Bowl gets the next best team that's you know, lined up. And, of course, the, they, they also have a limit on how many teams from the Big Ten can play in it during the course of the contract and how many SEC teams can play. And I believe the Big Ten had filled up their spots. So the Orange Bowl wasn't going to be able to take a Big Ten team, and it probably didn't matter anyway because an SEC team in Texas A&M was available there for you. So that that is one of the problems that really hurt Indiana because you also know that one of the spots in the New Year's Six Bowl game still has to be reserved for that highest-ranked group of five champion, which in this case was Cincinnati. Uh, I was really pulling for Coastal Carolina, but this year it goes to Cincinnati. And then you just kind of go through the order of the rankings available after the playoff and those contractually obligated uh, fulfillments have been uh, met. And that's where Indiana should have been bumped up a little bit higher. You know, I feel like Indiana should have been higher than Iowa State. I feel like they should have been higher than Georgia. I mean, you're talking about an Indiana team who we saw in the season opener. Uh, yes, you say what you will about the way that that game ended. I know uh, Corey Geiger uh, has been going back and forth, uh, kind of evaluating the what-if scenario if that final call with Michael Penix Jr. being ruled differently. I'm not going to say correctly because I don't want to dive back into that conversation, but if that game had gone differently and Penn State had come out of that game with a win, you know, certainly that would have hurt Indiana's standing, but I do think that it could have changed the way Penn State season has gone as well. But regardless, this is an Indiana team that was very good this year. I'm talking, this is a legitimate Indiana team, and I feel like they got uh, they got screwed, basically, by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. So, yes, I absolutely feel like Indiana got robbed. But I think a lot of the conversation still, uh, over the last couple of days on Twitter, has been stemming about whether or not the College Football Playoff should have expanded this year. And if you don't know me, uh, I'm going to tell you one more time, and I, I never hesitate to say this. I am always in favor of College Football Playoff expansion. And I think that college football playoff expansion is inevitable. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it is going to happen. Because if you look at the course of history throughout sports, every sport has a playoff system that has expanded at one point or another. Uh, if there isn't, then 
please let me know. But basically, baseball playoffs have expanded. NBA and NHL playoffs have expanded. The NFL has expanded. It's going to be expanding. <laughs> the NCAA tournament has expanded a number of times. Uh, remember the, when it was actually 64 teams? Remember when it was actually 32 teams? Is there anyone out here listening to this podcast that was around for the 32-team NCAA tournament? Yeah, but yeah, it went to 64. Now it's Then it went to 65. Then it went to 68. You give it another couple years, it'll probably go up to 72 or 76. I don't know what the number is, but... <laughs> I do think that a four-team college football playoff is not going to be the end-all, be-all for this playoff format. I think as long as the college football playoff is around, it is eventually going to be expanded. So everybody's trying to come up with the best way to have an expanded college football playoff. And I will say, and I will outline one final time, well, not the final time because I'm sure we'll do it again, but uh, I will echo what many people have said and what I have been saying for a number of years, really since this playoff format started. I think that the best or the next logical step is going to be eight teams. I know some people say six teams, but I say eight teams. And the way I do it is very simple. And it's it's a pretty common uh, solution that I see a lot of people seem to be on board with. Uh, you have eight playoff spots. You have five power conference champions automatically getting one of those bids. You have one bid reserved for the highest ranked group of five conference champion. And then you have two uh, at-large bids and you have a selection committee. You allow them to see the teams that are you know, automatically qualified and then figure out who are going to be those at-large teams. Two of the biggest issues that a lot of people have with that kind of idea is the suggestion that expanding the playoff will diminish the value of the regular season and will ultimately de- devalue the value of a conference championship game. I say that is absolute hogwash because I think you're actually adding more incentive to the game for more teams, not just throughout the course of the regular season, but of course you're adding a tremendous amount of value to those conference championship games. And I get what people are saying. They don't want to see a mediocre team wiggle their way into a conference championship and then ultimately steal one of those spots. Well, you know what? That's what adds the drama to this. And if you look at the history of these conference championship games, it is very rare when a team, a subpar team, comes up with the big victory to steal one of those conference championships. It's a very small number. I did the math one time. I'm not going to do it again right now, but I, I will have to do it again just so I have the data in front of me. But I remember doing it. I went through every SEC championship game, every Big 12 championship game, every ACC, and of course, every Big 10 and Pac-12 championship game. There is a very small percentage of teams that weren't really deserving of a college football playoff bid that would have been in with the automatic qualifier. But you know what? That adds the drama. And that's what those that's where those at-large play, uh, games come in, or those at-large spots come into play. And that adds value to your regular season because if you do slip up in your conference championship, you better hope that the selection committee feels like you've done enough during the course of the regular season to deserve one of those at-large bids. And the competition for those at-large bids will be pretty heavy. So I think you actually add value to your regular season. You make every game mean a little bit more. Uh, There will probably be a style points competition out there, but I think you add a tremendous amount of impact and intrigue to every conference championship game. How many people actually cared about the Pac-12 championship game this year? If that was for an automatic spot in an 18 playoff, so many more people are going to be watching that game. They're going to be going to betonline.ag and betting on that game. They're going to be listening to Locked On Bets to see what they have to say about that game. They're going to be listening to the Locked On podcast that's covering those teams a little bit more to get some in-depth knowledge and conversation about those teams. 
everything that you can do to add value to a conference championship game should be something that is strongly considered as you continue to find a way to improve the current model of the college football playoff. I think expansion does that. I will stand by that. And if you have an issue with that, let me know. Let's, let's have a discussion about it. I, I feel very adamantly that the expanding of the college football playoff is not going to hurt the college football product. So that's what I've been seeing on Twitter. I know it's a continual conversation. It's never going to go away. And that even when they do expand, because like I said, it is inevitable. They are going to expand at some point. Even when they do expand, we'll be having the same conversations all over once again. And you know what? It's going to expand after that at some point too. So we're going to be going through this cycle for who knows how long. But yes, I'm on board with college football playoff expansion. Put it to eight teams. Every power conference gets an automatic bid. Highest ranked group of five champion. And the selection committee figures out the seeding and the two at-large bids. You do the first round on home campuses of the top four seeds. Then you use your bowl system to play the current system, uh, the current format as it currently stands. It's not, brain, not rocket science, not brain surgery. Let's make it happen. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Nittany Lines. I know we went a little off track there at the end, but I do thank you guys for listening to today's episode, subscribing and rating and reviewing on your favorite podcast app. And of course, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms using the username Locked on Nittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter as well at Kevin on CFB. And don't forget to check out my college football content on athlonsports.com as well as my Patreon at patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. That's all for me today. Have a great day. Go on to know. Come back. We'll do it all again tomorrow. See ya.